0: As we turn to Daniel 2, just reminded by what I'm envisioning as this glorious picture of this great army of believers and what you might picture with, with flags. You know, we saw an inauguration um, this week with um, just, Tons of flags, right? I mean, I don't even know how many flags there were, and and it, and again, it symbolizes that idea that this is our banner as a country, right? This is our flag. This is what we rally and unite around. And certainly, warriors have had banners for centuries. Uh, countries have their flags. Sports teams, especially football teams, come roaring out of the tunnel with their. Their their banners, right? They got their the name of their school, their symbols, their animals, their their uh, nicknames. Our banner is none of that. Our banner is a cross. Our banner is the the reminder that that God so loved us that He sent His only begotten Son to die a bloody death on the cross to pay for our sin. That's what charges us. That's what leads us out. That's what we follow. Do not be distracted by um, what happens in the world, what happens in our country. I'll I'll remind you again, you are members of the body of Christ. You You are Christians before your Ravensdelians, or Washingtonians, or Americans, mm-hmm. um, consider our brothers and sisters across the world worshiping today. They could care less who our president is. They could care less who's in politics, right? You know why? Because it doesn't matter in the whole scheme of things, especially when you don't live in this country. Now it matters to us. And there are consequences and ramifications of of elections and we're not here to get political but we are here to be biblical. And so the question that we ask in a very very real life is okay, well what now? Right? What happens now? If you're keeping in stride with what's going on you you may have noticed that in in week 1 we've we've seen some some changes immediately, changes as, as believers that we may raise an eyebrow to, changes that move away from thinking of traditional uh, history to revisionist history, um, things of people being appointed to, to um, offices that are, are a, a virtue signal or a political statement. We, we're going to see a a pseudo-Christian president. We're going to see more wars. We're going to see more talk of COVID. We're going to see jobs lost, right? And all of a sudden, everybody's going to start to freak out. That was week one. Um, So the Christian response then is, well, okay, I've, I'm 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 back on my feet and I'm okay with that and you know as as a Christian there are more important things than what's happening politically so then this has to be Armageddon so then we're gonna go that all all the way to the end of that right and this is the end and the Antichrist and we gotta now put the place over holders over the right players listen believers of God have have for centuries. Lived under the oppression of rulers who did not believe in their God. Laws, rulers, traditions, and so don't allow fear, don't allow anxiety, don't allow anger to creep in. The question is, man, if we only had a playbook, I mean, if we only had like something we could go to and to help us. So somewhere where there's some wisdom right maybe a history of this kind of a thing, you know maybe we can maybe we could go to Google and google it or you know buy a book at Amazon oh wait a minute we we have a book, we have the book we have the book that is like I said, no stranger to this, and so today we're gonna Ask ourselves, well, how do we respond uh, to government change? How do we respond? And we're going to learn three lessons in Daniel, three simple little lessons. First, pray for your government. Pray for your government. Live in your government. And then watch God work through your government. So again, some background. A little uh, quick survey through, through the Bible. God's people have always lived under the umbrella of foreign governments. This is why, over and over again, when God uh, creates the nation of Israel and makes them their own people, He reminds them look, be holy, be consecrated, don't live like them. <laughs> Who's the them? To them are those other foreign countries, those other foreign governments, those other foreign kings. You remember the Egyptians and the Abimelechs, right? The Abimelechs with, with Abraham and and Isaac and and Israel had to had to deal with the Egyptians back then. Then we see the the Philistines and and all their cousins and all the different chieftains and their idolatrous ways and and they're the arch enemies of of Israel because Israel is going to be in their land, in their land, around their land, and the Philistines are all about them. We saw Sodom and Gomorrah recently. And they, they were pagan and 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 unkind to to the poor. And they were followers of homosexuality and fornication. Then we walked into Shechem. And Israel saw that they had no moral base, or they had a moral base, but it was, again, it was their own culture. And they had a different view of what, what love was and taking what wasn't theirs. We see Israel then get get taken over and occupied first by the Assyrians, and then the Babylonians, and then the Medes and the Persians. We're going to look at Daniel today and 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 the way the the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Persians would do it is they would come, take over your land, and then take the best of the best back with them. Try to assimilate them, integrate them into their own culture. Um, We see the Romans during Jesus' day, during the day of the... The New Testament is written during the Romans' days. There was no more ruthless regime than the Romans'. A martial law empire, a pagan empire, an empire that wasn't new, where they believed their leader to be a god himself, just like the Egyptian pharaohs. And then as we're reading through the New Testament and we're reading the, uh, the letters, what we're really reading are, again, foreign countries and foreign governments and we're reading about a culture clash of their their pagan religions and now then now this new Christianity. And so there's confusion in Corinth and Ephesus and Galatia and Colossae and Philippi. And so there's nothing new here. There's nothing new about believers of God trying to live in a fallen world that all around them is chaos and not chaos just in an arna- ar- anarchy sense but chaos in a, in a spiritual sense people who do not follow God, people who do not follow his law, people who do exactly the opposite with their paganism and their false god worship, we, we see temple prostitution as a form of re- religious service um, there's, there's no end to this and so when God talks about holy separation, he's talking about things like, well, again, the religiously, the polytheistic cults, putting all kinds of religions into one, pulp, into one pot, you know, unifying, my favorite word, most dangerous word in the world, the most dangerous word you're going to hear in America today is unify. Um and I mean that spiritually, I know it it is also true politically, but I mean it spiritually. We do not unify around anything outside of God's word. That's our unity. Um, morals, we have to separate our morals from their morals, right? Their morals, are not God's morals. God has clearly given us life and godliness and the way to walk in a manner worthy of Christ. He's clearly given us the, the rules to live by. We don't rewrite the rules of, of uh, a married couple and their faithfulness before marriage, their faithfulness during marriage. Um, We don't follow the traditions of the world. Some of the traditions like baby sacrifice or what we like to call abortions, Um, polygamy to name a few, alternative kind of religions, alternative ways, witchcraft, sorcery, you know, the astronomers, none of this is new. And then finally, the laws. We believe in the law of God. We, we believe in the covenants and the commandments of of the Lord. It doesn't change. It doesn't get rewritten and revised. Um, and so we're called to be wholly separate, but yet in this world. No different than our brothers and sisters from generation upon generation, from land to land, for all kinds of different things. Um, Ideology. So, no woes me. We've got Jesus Christ. We, we were blind and now we see. So I don't care where you are on the face of the earth. That's a blessing. You You, you just hit the lottery. You just won. So, how do we live? How then do we live? How do we respond to government? Because we do live in government. And government does have an effect on our lives? Well, the first response we want to look at is we want to look at Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I gave you some background in reading uh, Daniel chapter 2. And what we saw in Daniel chapter 2 is here's this king and this king is having this vexing dream, right? And so he's ascertained in his mind, well, I want an answer to the dream, but in order that I know that I'm really getting an answer, because I know you guys can make something up, you're going to have to also tell me what the dream is. So you've got to tell me the dream and give me an interpretation. And so what we read before was, you know, in verse 10, chapter 2, the Chaldeans answered the king and said, well, there's not a man on earth who could declare the matter for the king. Verse Verse 11 except, and you'll notice in your Bibles it's probably not capitalized, except God's whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. So one of the wise men of the Chaldeans says, look, nobody can do this, king. Nobody can do this. Well, well somebody could do it if God was, was telling him. That's the only way. So even he kind of comes to this understanding that, well, there, there is one way. And so there's this decree, verse 13, that's gone out that, look, um, <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar is saying, look, if, if you guys are my wise men, then and you can't answer this, then guess what? You're not my wise men. What do I need you for? I'm going to kill you all. All of you. So you can imagine what would go through your mind if you were one of the wise men. Well, Who's one of the wise men or who are three of the wise men? Well, we see in Daniel chapter 1 that in the occupation, in the the conquering of Israel, that the Babylonians have gone in and what they do is is chapter 1 verse 4, they've taken the youths uh, back to uh, verse 3, including some of the royal family and nobles. So they go to the best of the best uh, families in Israel and and they take the best young men, right? So they... Look over and they go, mm, Jonathan, no. Uh, Brett, no. Caleb, mm, maybe. We'll we'll talk about it. And, and that's what they're doing, right? They go to the families and they're picking and choosing. And you know, I don't know if they ran through an SAT test or something, but um, and they they get them there. No male defect. They're good looking. All right, Brett, you're back in. Um, They show intelligence. Eh, Jonathan, we're trying to get you there, Jonathan. Um, (laughs) In every branch of wisdom endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge and have the ability of serving in the king's court. And then they're going to teach them literature and the language of the Chaldeans. They're going to simulate them, right? They're going to simulate them. They're going to do this for three years. So as part of that, that program... The Babylonians take these three guys. They they assimilate them. They put them in training for three years. Now they're part of the wise men team. Okay? So these guys and Daniel are part of the wise men team. So Daniel hears this. And so what's Daniel's reaction to this crazy, insane edict? What's, What's his reaction to... To a leader who creates his own laws out of the thin air. Not that that could ever happen. Right? Um, Well, his answer then is to request an audience with the king. Verse 16. So Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would give him time. Time for what? In order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. So what does Daniel do in this grave situation? Then Daniel went to the house and informed his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, about this matter. In order that, what are they going to do? That they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. So what's the plan? what what's the plan when when your government makes laws that are going to affect you you don't like them they don't seem fair they don't seem right the plan is you know what let's take this back to the lord in prayer the the first response is is to pray and and in this prayers is not just, they're not just praying for themselves. Lord, get us out of this. They're actually part of this, this request, then is praying for this king. Praying to help their king. In essence, praying to help their new government. They're not there's no rebellion here, there's no no plot. And so the, the goal then, verse 18, is that they request compassion from God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his friends might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of, of Babylon. So everybody's going to be saved. Life is going to be saved, verse 19. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So God blesses Daniel with the, the answer and, and gives him this, the mystery. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And this is what I love. So here's, here's Daniel's response back to God. And, and one of the things I want you to take notice is, 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 is the way Daniel prays. What we seem to see here is this. There, there's, it's a conversation. We, we tend to, to think of prayers like you, you, you ask, you say it, you're done, Right? There's a back and forth here, and you'll see that a lot in the Old Testament. So, so, so the answer is, or the, the request is, we want compassion, Lord, to answer the prayer. The answer is, prayer is revealed. Then Daniel comes back with, now let the name of God be blessed forever and ever. What you see a lot in, in Hebrew prayers, you'll see this in, in Proverbs, this is in Psalms, is this restating of, 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 of fact, this restating of, of truth in your prayer to God. So what they do when they pray is they, they're affirming to God his character. Well, what they're really doing is, is reaffirming it to themselves, right? You are the God of heaven. You are the king of the universe. You are the almighty, the one true and only God. You're you're telling God that you're convinced, that you believe. Does that make sense? So Daniel says, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for the wisdom and the power belong to him. And then here it is it is he who changes the times and the epics, he removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise men and the knowledge to the men of of understanding. We see that Daniel is making this affirmation, this reminder of, you know what? I don't even know why I'm here. I'm an Israelite. I belong in Israel. But you know what? I'm not in charge of that. It's not my will. It's your will. And your will is that I'm here in Babylon. Under a Babylonian king. Why? Because you make kings, God. In this time period of of, of where I'm at right now. You set the time. Four years? Eight years? I don't know. God sets the time. And Daniel's sitting there going, look. I affirm it. I affirm it. I affirm it. Daniel is captive. He is taken from his home. You you think we might have it bad? Anybody been taken from their home, carted off, reprogrammed, brainwashed, and then told if you don't interpret, I'm going to kill you? Um, this isn't light, easy stuff. This this, this is hardcore. We we. We see, though, that Daniel's response, Daniel's response is, is, is so unique, really, in that it's like, look, I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to pray about this. I'm going I'm to recognize the situation I am and recognize that, you know what? It's God who's in control of all this stuff, not me. So I'm going to give it back to God. I'm going I'm to trust in God. And so he reveals this this empirical truth despite a a horrible, horrible situation. Daniel understands. Daniel understands Psalms 27. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but I trust in the name of the Lord. What do you trust in? Horses, chariots, right? These are the, the big things of the day. Or do you trust in the name of the Lord? Well, the second response is live in your government. Look, he, they don't escape. They don't. Hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego—they're—they're they're smart young guys. They're—you know—I'm sure they could figure out a way to escape and get out of there, right? Figure something out. That's not what they—they're—they're they're in their government. They're—they're—they're they're, they're living where they're living. They're making the best of the situation that they have live in your government. Well, chapter three. This this vision is coming to fruition. Chapter three, verse one. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold. Made an image of gold. The height of which was sixty cubits, and its width six cubits. And he set it up on the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent word to assemble the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the counselors and the treasurers and the judges, the magistrates and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces were assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, what had taken place was Nebuchadnezzar had dreamed this dream of this image, right? And so Daniel helps and and he, he tells him what the dream is. And he interprets the dream. And, and in chapter 2, uh, verse 31, it says, You, O king, were looking, and behold, there was a single great statue. That statue, which was large and in extraordinary splendor, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. The head of the statue was made of fine gold, and its breast, and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs were bronze, and its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And so Nebuchadnezzar takes this to mean, this is me. <laughs> I'm going to make a statue of myself. And I'm going to make everybody worship this statue, right? When really we have a, a, one of the great prophecies, but that's not our focus today. So he, he makes this statue. He makes it. Um, Verse 4, then the herald Lally proclaimed to you, the command is given, O peoples, nations, and every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast in the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, at the time when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, tygon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, that all the people in the nations of every language fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. Wow. Well, that's, that's a lot to deal with. The king has now given a decree that you worship a false god. You worship a false idol. We're talking about violating uh, the first of the Ten Commandments, right? And so, as a, as a good Jew, as a good follower of, of God, this is unex, uh, you know unspeakable to Daniel. There are things that they can do, and then there's... Things they can't do. Uh, they were asked to eat a certain diet and, and Daniel had asked permission. Look, uh, can I have permission not to eat that diet? I'll, I'll be a vegetarian if I have to. Um, there are things that they can do, but there's things that, are, that, that, that cross the line. And so Daniel refuses then, refuses to fall down and, and worship. Well, what's the response? Well, the response then is for the king to put Daniel in the fiery furnace, right? Or, or, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, in the fiery furnace. And so this is where we get this this great story of faith, which is well, look, there are lines that we can't cross, like worshiping false gods. And so, Nebuchadnezzar found out that, verse 13, that, that these guys were not worshipping, not only not worshipping the false idol itself, but they're not worshipping Nebuchadnezzar. He thinks himself to be some kind of, some god, right? Verse 15, now if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the tigon, the psalter, and the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made very well, but if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast in the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? So the confrontation is is at the climax and Nebuchadnezzar says, look, do it or I'm putting you in the fire and there's no God who can save you from that. Well, there's the challenge. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered said to the king, "O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. We don't have to think about it. If it is to be so, our God whom we serve is able. Is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king, but even if he does not, Even if he does not, even if we don't get our way, even if we don't like the way things are, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And Nebuchadnezzar was filled with with wrath and his facial expression was altered toward Shairat, Meshat, and Abednego. And he answered by giving orders to heat the furnace seven times more than it usually was heated. And he commanded certain valiant warriors Who were in his army to tie up Shevrat, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the fire of the blazing furnace. Then these men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, and their caps, and their other clothes, and were cast in the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. For this reason, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace had been made extremely hot, the flame of fire slew those men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So you've got three guys that are all tied up and bound and they've got warriors like the best. They've got, you know, um, Navy SEALs that are are walking them up to the furnace. And as they're doing it, the Navy SEALs catch on fire because the fire is so hot. Now, most of us here have actually worked with fire pits or wood, wood stoves. In California, I'd have no idea what we're talking about. I know what that is now. You don't have to touch the fire to be burned by the fire. You get close enough, right? Just just watch your marshmallow. In fact, if you really want to do it good, you don't put the marshmallow in the flame. You put it above the flame and that sucker will burn up, Right? Well, that's what's happening. As they're walking in, the furnace is so hot that the warriors, they burn and die. But, verse 23, these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the blazing fire, still tied up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was astounded and stood up in haste. And he responded and said to his high officials, Was it not three men that we cast bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, Certainly, O king. And he answered, said, well, look, I see four loosened and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace of blazing fire. He responded, said, Shavarot, Meshat, and Abednego, come out, your servants of the Most High God, and come here. Then Shavarot, Meshat, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. The satraps, the prefects, and the governors, and the king's high officials gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on their bodies of these men, nor was the hair of uh, of their heads singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor had the smell of the fire even come upon them. And Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who put their trust in him, violating the king's command and yielding yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I will make a decree that any people... Nation or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses reduced to a rubbish heap, inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. How do you respond to a foreign government. You know what? You, you live. You, you obey the laws. You do your job. You don't cross God's lines, though. That, that's, that's, that's what we need to be concerned about. Our, our concern is, is when it becomes spiritual obedience. Spiritual obedience. That, that's the real battleground line. But here's the cool thing. Here, here's one of the hidden little, little nuggets in here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not alone. They weren't alone, and neither are you. Neither are we. We think we're alone. We think we're going in and handling things by ourselves, but we haven't had the right mindset to think. You know what? He is able. He is able. Put whatever sentence you want in front of that. Well, what about this? He is able. Well, but, but this one, this is crazy about it. They just came out with the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition, and the model on the cover isn't a girl, it's a guy looking like a girl, and you'd never know. The world's going crazy. He's able. To deal with that. He's able um, till, till Jim is asked to put on the swimsuit and model. It's not his problem. But listen, God is able to deal with this stuff. If, if, if He can deliver from the pit of fiery furnace this is nothing whatever you think is your major concern he is able he is able you are not alone you're not alone the idea here is that this is a theophany this is an appearance of Jesus himself that came in to the furnace to do what to to comfort to perform the miracle because he left. He didn't stay around. Um, We're not alone. We're not alone. We've never been alone. We never will be alone. Well, the third response, watch God work. Can God work in foreign governments? You better believe it. You better believe it. Watch God work. We, we leave here chapter 3, verse 30 and, and it looks like this is incredible. This is incredible that the, the king says, bless the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, remember, he was just making an idol and worshiping himself. Now he's saying, hey, anybody says anything bad uh, about their God, you're dead. Alright. It's happened. The, 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 the king has, has changed. But like many politicians, uh, what you say one day doesn't necessarily mean what you say the next day. Chapter 4, verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of all peoples, nations, and men of every language that lived on the earth, may your peace be abound. It seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Awesome, things things are are going great, right? Until verse thirty. Verse thirty. Well, verse verse twenty-eight. We'll start verse twenty-eight. All this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. Twelve months later, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. The king reflected and said, "Is this not Babylon the Great? The king's in his palace." He's walking around. He's got a beautiful view. And he says, man, Babylon's awesome. Babylon's great. The king reflected and said, is this not Babylon, the great which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? What happened to to the the God Most High? What happened to his mighty deeds? What happened to, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? In times of peace and prosperity and flourishing, we forget. We forget. We take our eyes. We start thinking about ourselves. We start thinking about how awesome we are. We're no different than, than Nebuchadnezzar in the way we think about our accomplishments. When we think about that, if we esteem our accomplishments, then the next step is we esteem ourselves. Now we've been raised right, So we know, we know, we're not going to walk around and say, I myself have done this. I myself, right? We, we're not going to do that. But we think it, but we think it. And we definitely think, well, the way to reverse the problem is for me to solve the problem, which is just another twisted version of saying, I control everything. I am the one who is able. I am the one who will solve this problem. And that's part of the reason why we get so angry when we can't. Because then we feel helpless. We feel weak and we feel like we failed when really that wasn't your hill to die on. That wasn't your fight. And God had a different plan. Watch God work in government. But Before we watch him work in Nebuchadnezzar, I want to remind us again. Go back to the introduction. Remember Abraham and Isaac and they go down to Egypt. And remember how God worked through the king? So that, one, their wives weren't taken and they left in prosperity. That was God working with the foreign government. That was God working with another government. The, 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 the Philistines who, who time after time would, would, would walk away from battle with Israel to make peace with them. The time after time when God would defeat the Philistines in, in numbers that were crazy outnumbered. Uh, the numbers were too great. Maybe you remember this guy, you know, David, the giant named Goliath, God working, God at work, Sodom and Gomorrah, God at work, freeing Lot, still judging the, the town, God at work in Shechem, God at work in, in, in Assyria and the Babylons and the Persians in returning Israel to its homeland. land. God's always working. He's always at work through these governments. When did Israel become an actual nation of of power and strength in numbers and in wealth? During the 400 years of enslavement in Egypt when they grew in numbers and they plundered Egypt when they left. God was at work. God is at work still in Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 31, I love this phrase. While the word was in the king's mouth, by my, my, my he, he's going on the my train, right? He's not done. See, he, you guys got to catch that. He, he wasn't done. He, he was in the middle of his, of, of his monologue, right? Guy catches him monologuing. Okay. And while the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared sovereignty has been removed from you. You were blessed because of me. I blessed you. I put you there. I made you wealthy. I made you powerful. I was using you to judge the people of Israel. Me, 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 me. Not you. Let me show you how it's done. Verse 32. And you will be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field and you will be given grass to eat like cattle and seven periods of time will pass over you. Seven periods of time. Not sure exactly what that is, but it's a long time. We'll see how we know. Recognize that the most high ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. You are going to be punished until you recognize who the Most High is. Verse 33, immediately the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled and he was driven away from mankind eating grass like cattle and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Long time. Watch God work. Watch God work. Learn to watch God work. Verse 34. But at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my reason returned to me. Now, I love that. Before he says a word, before he catches this, before he says a word, God knows his repentant heart. He didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to say anything. God knew. All was better, right? All was better, but he he keeps going. My reason returned me and I blessed to... I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will in the host of heaven among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can ward off his hand or say to him, What hast thou done? What are you doing, God? God. No, nobody, nobody, nobody can say that to God, nobody. At the time, my reason returned to me and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom and my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished in my sovereignty and surpassing greatness. He became even greater than before was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, Praise, exalt, and honor the King of Heaven, for all the works are true and his ways just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. This is by far just my favorite testimony, my favorite repentance in all the scriptures a man that was so arrogant, so proud, a a foreign god, worshiper of false gods, absolutely repents and turns and changes his life around. And and the words that come out of his mouth, the praise, the adoration that come out of his mouth, the, the, the trust now that shifts... From, from himself all to God. I, I just picture that you know that big old stack of, of you know, poker chips. I know most of you don't know what poker is but for, for those of you who do it's again you know you you, you you get all these stacks of chips right And you know now if you watch on ESPN it's it's all in right It's so everything's about all in. and so you, know, you got thousands and thousands of dollars in these stacks and the, you know the scene is you know you, you push the whole thing in I'm all in. Everything. I'm not even going to keep one chip back. You could keep one chip and still be in the game. Nope, I'm all in. Nebuchadnezzar is all in. All in. And and, And I love the final phrase. The final phrase, which is probably the most important. Anybody can exalt God. Anybody. Nebuchadnezzar exalted God. If you turn back... It's like, whoa, these are great words. Right? I mean, what what awesome words. God of Most High. He must be a believer. Blessed be the God who delivered Shariash and Abednego. He watched it, he believed it. he, He believed it mechanically, he didn't believe it in here. And because he didn't believe it in his heart, he was still worshiping himself. He, we call that autonomous. I am exalted. I am most high. I, I, I. And he switches that to the Lord is able to humble. We have to humble ourselves in order to watch God work. The irony upon irony, especially in, in political issues, you don't do much anyway. You guys get that, right? I mean you physically nobody in this room is a politician. Well, we vote, but you 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 live in this country. You live in this world and and you have three very clear responses. Pray for your government. You can do that each and every day. You can pray. You want to get involved politically? Pray. Oh well, I don't like that that's a great involvement. Just ask Daniel. Um, and you got to live. You live live life. Be a testimony. You know the only way that they could figure out how to condemn Daniel was in, in Daniel 6, 5 later down the road. They realized that we can't get this guy in anything except that he's so faithful to his religion. We're going to have to make laws that make it against the law to, to pray. Because then we'll get Daniel he he He's faithful he, He's not worrying about being a slave or a servant or taken away or brainwashed or serving a foreign king. you know what? He's got to move on. He's got to move on he, he He lives in his government and then you know what? Look at the things that that Daniel witnessed: <clears throat> a fiery furnace, a lion's den, right? Amazing things. He witnessed the transformation of a king. Probably even a greater story, but it gets lost in the kind of the two bookmarks. Well, what's our takeaway? How did Jesus how did Jesus deal with the Roman Empire? What what if Jesus was here? It'd all be different, right? If Jesus was walking in America, then we would... Don't we sound a lot like the Israelites? Why? Because we want something that we shouldn't want. We should want the will of God. We should want to see repentance and salvation. We we should want to see revival and a rebirth. Not the political stuff. We should want to see the spiritual stuff. And so when Jesus walked on the face of the earth... His example W you know WWJD right what would Jesus do no, no what did he did right this is what Jesus did he walked on the face of the earth during the Roman occupation and he didn't get involved in the Roman politics even though it was very corrupt i mean you know the guy who ends up condemning him to the cross you know purchased his his position right the church is corrupt Caiaphas, the high priest, is the one who sends Jesus to to the cross. The Pharisees and Sadducees are wicked and shameful. Jesus, right before his death, has to say, "Woe to you, you wicked snakes and vipers!" These are the religious guys, right? He goes into the temple and he's turning over tables because people are selling, you know, fraudulently spotless lambs to poor people so that they can make sacrifice for their sins. Um, Morals and, and, and are out of control with fornication, homosexuality. The Romans had a tradition of their form of abortion was you have the baby, you put it in an alley and it dies. Not new. Polytheism was abound. Heck, Caesar thought he was a god. You don't think that Jesus had some political issues to deal with? You know what he focused on? Preaching the gospel. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. You know what he focused on? Mercy mission. Feeding, the, helping the widow, the orphan, the poor, the blind, the lame, the sick. You know what he stuck to? His mission. Dying on the cross to take away our sin. The night before his death. Lord, thy will be done. Focus of mission. So... That's our response. That's how we live. We follow the path of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for...